0: Dear listeners, Ram, welcome to our radio series, Afternoon Satsang. This is a discussion between Radio Sai's Prem and Arvind on different spiritual topics. Every Thursday on Asia Stream, you can enjoy this live conversation. It's from 12.30pm to 2pm Indian Standard Time. Today's episode was first featured as part of Thursday Live on January 17th, 2013.
1: Sairam, dear listeners, and a warm welcome to another segment of Afternoon Satsang. And I am Arvind from Team Radio Sai. And as always, I am joined by Brother Prem from Team Radio Sai for this Afternoon Satsang. Sairam Prem.
2: Sairam Arvind and a warm Sairam to all listeners tuned in from whichever part of the world. And welcoming you all to this week's Afternoon Satsang we offer our most humble and loving salutations at Bhagwan's Lotus Feet. Okay, Arun. coming back to this week's discussion and maybe before that, I think it kind of springs from what we discussed in the past couple of weeks. One of the aspects which came out was, you know, how Swami can transcend space and time in answering the prayers which we place in front of Him and how, you know, that thought that Swami can transcend space and time should be in the back of our minds when we make a prayer to Him.
1: You know, Prem, you remind me of a talk that I heard as a student in Sai Kulwanthal. This was a talk by one of the students Mm -hmm. and he was speaking exactly about what it means from God's perspective Mm -hmm. to take an avatarhood, you know, to come down to earth as an avatar. He was telling, just imagine a world of bugs. Mm -hmm. There are all the bugs living there and you literally look down upon them because (laughs) they are... uh, tiny creatures in the sand over there or in the soil and when you see them, suppose your heart melts at their pity and at their plight and you want to teach them something. Mm-hmm. What do you do? You can't do anything but become a bug yourself. And so, he was saying that you would have to give up your human form and take the form of a bug, which means you are giving up all the you know special powers that you enjoy as a human being. Your ability to communicate, your ability to interact, ability to do so many things, skill, the brain, you're giving up all that and taking on tremendous number of limitations of that of a bug, just so that the other bugs are able he to you know, identify with you and feel some, if we can say that, feel some kinship with you and interact. And he said that when the Avatar takes, when the infinite power
3: mm-hmm.
1: that is existent all around the universe that is the cause for the universe decides to take a human vesture and come down to earth it is something like a human becoming a bug there are so many limitations that come along with the human body and yet the avatar takes the human body because that is how humans are able to feel kinship you know if God comes in any other form maybe we won't feel that kinship
2: and I think you know the fact that we describe God as limitless compassion. You know, the Lalita describes God as avyak I don't know I don't know exactly this one, <laughs> Avyakta Karuna Murti or something. That was boundless compassion. Mm. I think that stems out of this particular theme which you're talking about. Everybody helps the other person. You know, when I'm walking on the road, if there's an old person, I would stop and try to help him cross the road. But imagine if your status is that of a king, if you're an emperor. Who has a hundred thousand people under his command, but if he steps down and helps, where helping him is like, you know, you are so insignificant in his scheme of things, but if he steps down and helps, that is looked up as something, as a, you know, a sign of immense compassion.
1: Because, as you said, in his scheme of things, you're so small, but when he does that, he shows that you are not small in my exactly. scheme of things. And that is what we feel when God takes an advent. We feel that he's letting us know that, my child, you are not small in my scheme of things. You are very big. You are worth all my time, all my love, all my energy. And the beauty of all this is, if this is told to Swami, He just plays it down. (laughs) He says, no, no, you know, if I had come as Mahavishnu with four hands and the Chakra and Gada in my hand, you would have put me in a museum and collected one rupee for ticket fees and that's why I came in this form. So, that is his sweet way and he elicits laughter when he says that. But we know that that's the divine humility that is coming through. We know that He comes in this form as that song says Ananda Balude Ananda Balude That Lord comes in this form so that we can feel kinship with Him interact with Him and learn from Him.
2: Even as you say this how Swami plays down the divinity that He is I'm reminded Mm. of something which one of my seniors shared with me Mm. of course there's no way of authenticating it but just what he shared from an old devotee what he had heard from an elderly devotee It seems uh, in the early years, maybe in the 1950s or 60s, when Prashant had just come up, it seems one holy man had come to Prashant and he was very angry. Ever since he stepped into Prashant he got angry
1: after stepping into Prashant No,
2: he was. He came in as an angry man. Okay, Okay, he was Ah. sitting in darshan. He was uh, exuding that uh, ill temper of his, and he was very, very wild. So people asked him, "What is you know upsetting you so much? Why are you angry? What are you angry about?" So he said, "How can a man claim to be God?" No? Mm. that was the reason which had made him so angry you call yourself a Mahapurusha, you call yourself a, you a know, sage a, a yogi a, yogi, a but how can you call yourself god so I want to see Swami and ask him how can people say that you are god mm. okay so he was in that rage and typically of Swami Swami called him for an interview okay mm. he enters the room and he and Swami alone are there and he kind of flies into a rage ain't he no Devuda? I mean are you god are you God like. Addressing Swami, addressing in, the Swami in a singular. In a singular. Are you God like what people say? And you know what Swami said? Led Bangaru. You know, people around me tell that, but I am actually just like you. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, that instantly cooled down that person. And it seems both of them sat on the floor. Swami mm. spoke to him, and Swami spoke to him for 45 minutes. And needless to say, I think that person would have come out of the interview room and declared to the rest of the world that I spent some time with God. <laughs>
1: Prem see how much a difference it makes in the perspective. That is what Swami has always been telling us. He has been telling there's no difference between you and exactly.
2: me. Exactly, there was no hint
1: of falsehood in that statement ah. when Swami said, "I am just like you." The, the minute Swami says, "I am like you," we feel happy and you know we feel ready to accept it. But why are we not having that same readiness when Swami says, "You are like me"? <laughs> <laughs> no, Swami, that is, and I feel in order to bring about this point. He brings about the point that I am like you by mingling with us, by being one with us and in order to inspire us to become like Him, I feel those are the occasions when He parts these clouds of Maya and reveals His true nature so that we can get inspired and we also aspire to discover our own identity. And I feel all these instances, you know, where we see Swami's beyond space and beyond time, all of them are such instances where the veil is being parted for a moment so that we catch a glimpse of that glory and get inspired to realize ourselves in that glory.
2: Exactly. I think it's quite similar to what happened to Arjuna in the battlefield. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, he had it in the back of his mind that this is not an ordinary person I'm dealing with. You know, when he looked at Krishna, he, of course, related to him as a relative, as a friend, but he always knew that Krishna was
1: something beyond all that.
2: Beyond all that. But I think even that had to be broken, that You know, he is beyond what you think, but beyond what you conceive also. And -hmm. I think that was why when that Vishwurupa was given, I think it kind of opened his receptiveness to whatever was to be given to him. And uh, after that, the conversation was, you know, in a sense of he was more uh, accepting, if I could say so. I think that is what Swami is doing to us. He is time and again proving to us that he is special, Mm -hmm. but then he is slowly, you know, expanding our consciousness to such a level beyond even what we have conceived so far.
1: Correct Prem, I am reminded of that episode. It's well documented, you know, mm-hmm. of how Swami called in a group of devotees from Australia. Okay. He had called them into the interview room and as he was speaking, he looked at one of the devotees there and asked him, why are you sad? This devotee had just received news from Australia that his wife was very sick. And there was nothing he could do. There's no way, you know, Australia is the other end of the globe compared to India. And it's not like going to Bangalore or any other place where you can book a bus ticket and go there. So, he had been worried. He knew that his wife needed him to be by her side. But he was here, Mm -hmm. if we can say, you know, within quotes, uh, stuck up in a hamlet in South India, not knowing what to do. Before he could say what was his problem, Swami himself said, your wife is sick, she needs you, right? And why are you here? So then, he said, Swami, I want to be with my wife, but now what do I do? I'm No way, I just received the news yesterday. I am wondering how to go there. And this was a group of six Australian devotees, that had been called in. Then, the person who was sitting there, who has written down this episode, he says that Swami waved his hand and materialized a map, okay. map of the world. He placed it against the wall and asked the devotee to point out where he is coming from. Okay. So, he pointed out to Australia and in Australia to the city there. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like how we have, I don't think it was there in those days, like how we have Google Maps on iPad or iPhones a touch screen or... Touchscreen interface. Yeah, touchscreen <laughs> interface. Swami converted the wall into a touchscreen interface mm-hmm. and he zoomed in, zoomed into the town, the street, finally to the home. Mm-hmm. And then he asked, what do you see? He said, Swami, this is the door, entrance to my home. Swami said, open and go. And this is what this person exactly did. And 15 minutes later, this group came out of the interview room. They were no longer six. They were only five. And within an hour's time, they get a phone call from that person from Australia saying how he has reached safely and he is now with his wife. My God, (laughs) I mean, space! Space is no barrier for Swami. I mean, who would have thought that a wall in the interview room can get converted into a door in Australia. You
2: no, know, even as you say this, I'm reminded of a very, very similar story. Uh-huh. You know, interestingly, I heard this from a person from Bombay, and over a meal, we were just sitting in the canteen and eating, and he narrated this. Okay. And he had apparently heard it from a friend of his who hailed from the same town this event happened. Which uh, town is that? Uh, Satara. I don't know if you heard. Oh
1: yeah, Satara is there in Maharashtra. A place uh-huh. in
2: Maharashtra. So the scene is you know near a mosque there is a particular mosque and beside that like all other mosques have there's a tea stall. Hmm. So every Friday the people who come to offer prayers at the mosque would invariably you know congregate at the tea stall and you know have a small chit chat and move it. Hmm. So in this tea stall there is a small boy hmm. maybe about uh, 8 or 12 years between that age who's working in the stall. So it was that Hajj season you know that time when all the Muslims make their uh, pilgrimage in you know, pilgrimage towards
1: Mecca it is said that uh, every muslim once in a lifetime at least, once, at least that is one of make. their
2: uh, you know the dharmas of a muslim at least once in a lifetime he has to make that hajj pilgrimage hmm. so during that season everybody who would come to the tea stall would talk about hajj going to hajj either they would say that i'm saving to go to hajj or they would say that i finally managed to you know save enough to go to hajj so this boy who also happened to be a muslim got so drawn to that idea of going to Hajj though he didn't know where it was and what it is to going be Going to Mecca.
1: Mecca right? Yeah, for Hajj. Hajj.
2: To make the Hajj. I'm sorry. Yeah. So he goes to one particular elderly gentleman who comes to the tea stall every week and he says what is this place? You know, where is this place called Mecca and what is this pilgrimage everybody's talking about? So this person explains to him the whole thing that every Muslim has to make a pilgrimage and you have to make and it's in the other end of the continent and so we all have saved for so many years to make it. So he also happened to tell him that I am going to Mecca this year. So my lifetime's dream of going to Mecca is coming true this year. So then this boy said even I want to go to Mecca what should I do? Hmm. Oh this person told him that no it's not so easy it requires enormous amount of money and you're too small you need to take a visa and you need to take a flight and all that was told to him but this boy said no but there is a burning urge in me that I want to go to Mecca. So I don't know what happened to this person who was telling this whole thing to this little kid he said uh, See, only one person can help you go to Mecca, and that is Sai Baba. Okay, mm. he said that because you know he said Swami helps a lot of poor people. Maybe mm. if you go and pray to him, maybe Swami will give you money and you know help you. Casual statement. Yeah, he just said there is only Sai Baba can help you. And now mm. the obsession turned you know included even this figure called Sai Baba because this mm. boy had never heard of Swami before. So uh, his idea was now I have to go to Mecca. For that, I have to go and meet Sai Baba. Okay. Okay, so he uh, started inquiring about Swami, and finally he came to know that Swami lives in South India. So he saves enough for the train tickets. Boja train lands in Penukunda, and somehow manages to come to Puttaparthi. And all the while, this is ringing in his mind I have to ask Sai Baba that I want to go to Mecca. Hmm and he comes and sits in darshan and everybody who asks him have you come alone where are you from he says no no I am going to Mecca so I have come to Sai Baba so you know some people tell you know what's a, what a weird thing it is to come to Swami for <laughs> to go to Mecca you know? and Swami comes that day for darshan stops in front of this boy and asks him his name and you know all the initial introductory statements Swami was saying and then Swami says why did you come here all by yourself so he said no Baba I want to go to Mecca I know you can send me to Mecca so I have come to you Sami said, you know, who sent you here? Okay, he said, I don't know all that. I want to go to Mecca, and I know you can send me. So Swami says, Okay, come inside the interview room. So Swami calls him inside the interview room and tells him, Okay, I'll send you to Mecca. But when I call you, you have to come back. Hmm. Okay, this boy said, Okay. And Swami showed, pointed to a door on the wall of the interview room. Swami said, You go through that door, you'll go to Mecca. But when I call you back, you have to come back. You will find the same door, you come back.
3: Hmm.
2: Okay and oh, this boy God. opens the door hmm. and what does he see there? He sees the huge khaba there hmm. you know that black stone which uh, the, the Muslims circumambulate a around A
1: similar wall which had turned into an Australian door yeah. is now a <laughs> He's door leading, to, leading to, to the other other side Australia hmm. is towards India's east yeah, this is this to India's is west, west. Uh-huh.
2: Okay and he sees that huge millions of people going around wearing whites and going around it's it's a electrifying scene you know even when you see the videos and all that hmm. all thousands and millions of people taking that circumambulation so he sees that crowd and he's overjoyed. He joins them and he's also going around the you know the khaba. And that time, you know, <laughs> to add to the surprise, he sees the very man who told him you go to Saibaba,
1: he'll help you come to Mecca. Oh, the, the casual statement maker. Okay,
2: and so he's surprised. They just bump into each other in the crowd. And the man is surprised. He says, Oh, so you've come. How did you come? And the boy says, No, I went to Saibaba, he sent me to Mecca.
1: He would have thought the okay. tickets. So he was sponsored. must have thought,
2: okay, the tickets must have been sponsored or something. So they just, you know, have a casual word and they part. So he goes around and finishes that circumambulation and he hears Swami's voice. Swami says, "Boy, come back." Mm. So again, he just kind of uh, escapes out of the crowd and he finds the same door. He opens it and comes inside the interview room. Okay. Okay. And Swami blesses him and Swami sends him back. He goes back to Satara where he works in the tea stall. And after a few weeks, he meets the same man again who now has come back in the usual route back from Mecca <laughs> to India <laughs> and then he hears the story from the boy how Swami sent him to Mecca through the interview room door wow that's what I was saying you know? uh, if you think that Swami can transcend space then you might think that okay Swami can take you to Australia through that door but the same door can take you even to Mecca it can take you into the moon if he wishes so I think constantly expanding that limitation which we have of how we see God right
1: hmm. Well, Prem, I think it's time for a little break now. Let's celebrate this break with one beautiful song. It's in Telugu and it glorifies the Satisai Avatar. It's a beautiful song. Even if we do not understand the lyrics, I feel the tune in itself will capture us.
2: It definitely was one of Swami's favourite songs.
1: Exactly. So many times Swami has asked for it and heard it.
4: Namo, Satya Sai Baba, Namo. Say, Baba, no, Baba, Namo be spathe, no, be spathe, no, be spathe, Namo Satya Sai no, be spathe, Kanchinang Antarangamu Ponge, Inati e Sukamu, Yenarupandamu, Yeno Munochamu, Ipurukalu. E Namo Sat Y Sai Baba, Namo Sat Yesai Namu Sami. कसिंची नवी मनसो तनुवो कोरे नमो Namo is Teja, the day, the fish for the boat. Namu is for the sai, the fish for the boat.
1: Really, Prem, as the song said, what is the good, what is that that we have done to have deserved Swami and have enjoyed His company, His proximity, and we continue to know Him, we continue to enjoy His proximity and His presence in our lives. Really, it's a blessing past compare, you know. I remember. It's a statement of, you know, awe.
2: uh Swami, what have we done? And also a statement of deep desire that if we know what it was that got us this we will do more of it. More that. of
1: it so that we can <laughs> I just reminded of one small episode many people used to want to gift Swami some things as a token of gratitude Swami never asked for anything He always used to say I just give your love that's enough at the same time you know there were people who kept Giving, and there was this person who got Swami a Mercedes Benz car for Swami mm-hmm. to use. He said, Swami, you are the emperor of emperors, you should not travel, you should travel by. Life. So, he gave his explanations and whatever. And Swami accepted it as normally, as casually as anything. After that, what happened is this person maybe expected some grand kind of response from Swami, and so he wanted to. Make an impression or, yeah, or whatever. In order
2: to give a run through of the features of the car. Yeah, visit. so he
1: said, "Swami, do you know that in the whole of South India, Swami, pure South India, car in the whole of South India. There's only one car like this, specially brought for you. Ah, you know, he thought that will be a grand way. Swami just looked at him, smiled, and said. you are talking about South India in the whole of this world there is only one Sai Baba like that really in the whole of this universe in all times to come I really feel that there is only one Sai Baba like this and we have got the opportunity to have known him really it's so fantastic Prem how many many instances are there of him transcending space transcending time everything
2: you know the couple of incidents we spoke of before the song were transcending uh, space. space that one room interview room I don't know these are just two incidents we are talking about which are known
1: and documented
2: we don't know how many more has happened there we have heard stories of Swami materializing monkeys inside you know there was a story of that and uh, I think one of the MBA classes Of course, this is a little off the space and time capsule we are in Mm -hmm. you know where Swami asked suddenly a question to the boys Swami asked who is God what is God so they were wondering what it is and apparently Swami was holding something in his hand and it was a dead bee Mm. and Swami said, I will show you what is God and Swami showed the dead bee and Swami blew life into it Mm. Okay, and Swami said, see, God is generator, G for generator and then that uh, bee took off and started going around the room, Swami said, see, it is making an O, (laughs) Swami said, that is the second alphabet of God, God takes care. See, it's making that O. Organize it. And then finally, again, Swami put out His hand, the bee came, fell into the hand and then gave up its life again. Swami said, D for destruction. So, God is one who generates, who takes care and who also is the ultimate culmination of all creation too.
1: Wow! That is a very (laughs) (laughs) profound...
2: Yeah, and coming back to this space and time thing, I'm just reminded of another uh, beautiful incident which Mm. is narrated by our lecturer, Ravikma Sir. Mm. You know, how Swami is the ruler of all time and space. Hmm. You could uh, say that, but this was more of you know, uh, Swami giving a hint of something which was going to come hmm. and also saying that I always know everything. Hmm. Okay, It so happened that in a Thrai session, I think this was in the early 90s, 92, 93 like that. And Swami one day asked, how many of you boys know to drive a car? Okay. Okay. So, a few boys put up their hand and Dravik Master also put up his hand. Swami said, hey what, you know to drive? So, he said, yes, Swami, I know to drive. Swami so said, you're so short, your leg will not reach the accelerator. Mm. Okay. As we all know, sir, Swami used to say that Ravi Kumar is my height, <laughs> literally. So, Swami said, you're so short, your feet will not reach the accelerator. Mm. So, he just kept quiet. So, next day in the tri-session, again, Swami asked, how many of you know to drive a car? Mm. So, on that day, he didn't put up his hand. <laughs> okay. Swami so he said, hey, what? Yesterday, you said you know to drive. Today, you're not telling so put up your hand Swami said so he put up his hand Swami said you cannot reach the accelerator with your feet again <laughs> so this is just a you know light hearted uh, conversation which occurred and it is forgotten about 3 or 4 years later uh, for the sports meet the Brindavan campus wanted to do some aerosports so they decided that they are going to train some boys in flying uh, paraplanes hmm. like how you have paramotors the paraplanes where uh, one person sits it's like something like a glider kind of thing so they had powered to, go to hand yeah, powered hand glider so hmm. they had to go to pune to learn this so they had arranged with the trainers there so on the day when uh, the boys were leaving and ravikumar sir was made in charge of that group so hmm. before leaving sir went to swami and took permission that he also can fly one day okay. okay so swami said okay yeah, you can also do so they went to pune and there they realized that the trainer who was supposed to give them the training he was sick and he was hospitalized So they lost a few days, four to five days they lost. So eventually on the day when they started training, the ground training and all that was over and somebody had to take the first flight. So the trainer turned to Ravikmasa and said, why don't you take the first flight? Okay, so that way the boys will be encouraged. They'll be confident to take their flight. So sir said, fine. So sir had not been even a passenger on a plane. So here he was going to take a solo flight. Hmm. So everything was fine. He went up in the air and he was being given commands that... Uh, climb height now and then now you stabilize and all that. So, what they realized was every now and then he was actually losing height. So, the trainer used to tell him that you know, gain more height, gain more height and every now and then he would gain height and then gain fall. It was a quite an, you know, uneventful flight. So, after it he lands back safely. So, then the trainer said, no, you flew well but I don't know why but you were going on losing height. Hmm. Okay. so, After the training, sir wanted to call back somebody in Pashantinilam and inform them that since they had started the training late, they are going to postpone their arrival back in Prashantanilyam by 4 days. Hmm. So, he wanted this to be informed to Swami because he knew that Swami will be very eager to receive them on the day they were coming back. It used to be always be like that, right? Especially when Swami sends somebody out for any training, Swami will be waiting on that day and you have to report to Swami and we've
1: seen boys coming straight from the airport or straight from the railway station right to the portico. In In the portico fact, on Swami. one or two occasions, when they've been delayed even by an hour, yeah, Swami asked questions as if you have delayed by a few days. <laughs> what happened? Why are you late? What happened? Was there any trouble? I mean, that is the kind of anticipation that Swami used to have. Exactly.
2: So, He knew that, you know, that would be Swami's uh, reaction. So, He wanted to call up and that mm-hmm. those days, there were no cell phones, there were no landlines. Landlines also were not as many as they are now. So, he called up the Central Trust Office and his idea was he will ask somebody in the Central Trust Office to call the warden to be at 9 o'clock in the night when he can call up and tell, you know, give him that information. But apparently, when he called up, the warden, Narasimuthi sir was standing beside the phone. Okay. Oh. So, the person in the Central Trust Office said, you know, the warden is here. You can speak to him directly. And warden picks up the phone and says, congratulations, Ravi Kumar. And sir said, what is the thing, sir? Why are you congratulating for? I'm congratulating you on your first flight. Huh. Okay. And sir said, how do you know, sir? I'm coming straight from the aerodrome. I've not even you know made a call to anybody else. I'm just calling you and you're already congratulating me. He said, no, no, Swami came out and told that your teacher Ravikmar is flying there. <laughs> okay. And Swami said, he's flying nicely, but his feet are not reaching the accelerator. Oh, okay. And apparently that was the reason why he was losing height. Oh, every when now and, like, and then huh? he was of course it was not the accelerator in there whatever the equivalent of the accelerator in a in, okay. a in a paraplane so it was like you know a clear indication of Swami telling few years ahead what was coming okay and telling what is happening miles
1: away thousand miles away transcending both space and time uh, Prem when you mentioned this Immediately, you know, I'm remembering something that I heard just two days back. Okay, it's something so similar to this, and it's so I don't know what to say. Phenomenal, beautiful, sweet. One of our colleagues who works in the stores, <laughs> you know, he's here with us. He has been studying from his B.A.C. He has done his B.Com. I mean, sorry, B.Com in Brindavan. Then he has got a diploma in the music college. Now he is working in our stores in the Sri bhakta Sangh, He told this to me when I visited his house. He was saying when he was in his second year undergraduation, he was doing his BCom. That was in the year 2001. So, there was uh, the summer course that was being held. And during the summer course, this boy is a singer also.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And Swami gave him a lot of attention. And he used to be the lead singer for most of the functions and most of the bhajans and everything. And Swami himself was personally coaching him in singing and all this. So, during that period, he got many interviews with Swami. In one of the interviews, he says, Swami called them in. He and along with him, there was another singer. So, these two singers, they were with Swami and Swami was speaking and as He was speaking, He waved His hand and created a watch. Okay. He gave the other singer this watch and then after some time, again He waved His hand, created another watch. Mm-hmm. He gave this watch to this boy. Then again Swami, you know, He said, you know, the strap is very loose. You have to get the strap adjusted. Mm-hmm. So, the, both the boys said, yes, Swami, we will get it done. It is loose, so we will get it adjusted. But then Swami said, but who will pay for that? Then Swami waved His hand and materialized two 500 rupee notes. Mm-hmm. So, they thought that Swami is going to give one for each. Swami gave both to the other boy. Then Swami told, wait. Materialized again two more 500 rupee notes. He gave it to this boy and told him, "You gonna no, go ahead. That, okay. was, that was the end of the interview. And then, these two boys left. Now, this boy felt that Swami has given me these notes, he has materialized these notes, there is no way I am going to spend these. So, he decided to keep them safely and he spent his own money, I mean, so that whatever had to be done for the watch. But to his shock, when he returns, he checks his pocket, these two 500 rupee notes are missing. Mm -hmm. He's very worried, so he retraces his steps, goes everywhere, searches, Searches with almost lights in his eyes, he said. He searched for hours. Did not get. At the end, he was feeling so bad and he was, you know, feeling like kicking himself. He was wondering how I could do this. So, he did what anybody would have done in such a situation. He wrote a letter to Swami saying, Swami, you gave this to me and I lost it. Swami, I don't know. I am feeling very bad. He wrote this and he sat for Darshan. When Darshan time Swami comes to him, Immediately, he gets up on his knees, gives a letter to Swami and says, Swami, you gave, you know, that money got lost. Swami doesn't even hear him completely. Swami just says, Ah, that money, I gave it to your wife. Okay, (laughs) So, he thought again, Swami, I am telling something here very seriously and Swami is joking. And that's it. That was the end of the episode. You know, he never got back that money. He lost it, he left it and he said, I can't take it up again with Swami because, you know, Swami is... Apparently, not paying attention to it, he's telling it went and to you your wife. You never know,
2: it might turn on you. <laughs> uh-huh. So,
1: say you're careless. <laughs> so, he just left it at that. 10 years later, mm-hmm. 2011, this boy got engaged. Okay. And after engagement, you know, his wife also devoted to Swami, and the first thing, you know, she wanted to know was all about his experiences with Swami. Okay. And he was narrating many things. And he said that he happened to narrate this episode. Mm-hmm. And when he narrated this, she said, just wait a minute, stop. Mm. She asked for the date. Okay. It was in the summer of 2001. Mm-hmm. She got the date. And then, he says that he could see goosebumps simply erupting all over her skin. And she says, you know, I was doing my BDS, Bachelor of Dental Science, you know, okay. dentistry. She's mm. a dentist. Yeah. I was doing dentistry in Bangalore. And I had to go Hyderabad there was a strike at that time because of which you know I was not able to go to the bank to withdraw money okay I opened up my purse there was no money in my purse I prayed to Swami I thought I'll make one last attempt by going to the bank
3: mm-hmm.
1: but the bank was closed there was no way I was wondering how my father was ready to send a money order from Hyderabad but even strike had affected even that there was no way I had to ask somebody for money but I didn't want to do that and she says, with that prayer, she opened her purse and she said, I found two crisp 500 rupee notes neatly folded and kept in my purse. <laughs> I just thanked Swami and went ahead with my booking. Just look at this prem Ten years before, this boy had even not the slightest idea, forget who is going to be his wife, whether he will get married or not. <laughs> he was a student he was a student undergraduate student. <laughs> undergraduate student then and she was a student studying in the first year of her dental college mm-hmm. bds bachelor degree and then swami tells him it has gone to your wife and 10 years down the line is when he realizes you know he was saying the sad thing is after i realized this what had happened by then you know swami had physically left already But he said that this episode brought back to him that Swami is beyond time and space. And so, that gave him confidence and courage that how has Swami left? If Swami is beyond time and space, then no, this body, it is not Swami. Swami is there with me. And it is by this confidence and faith that He lives by even today. That if Swami could transcend time once, He can transcend time again. He is every time transcending time and space. And this was another episode. I heard it just two days back. I was so thrilled and I felt that definitely when you mentioned that three years before he had told Ravi Kumar <laughs> sir about the accelerator, him not reaching it and that came true. This is 10 years. What is time for the one who is timeless?
2: Amazing. You know, the dematerialization and materialization you spoke about, I'm just reminded of another incident which Mrs. Geeta no recounts. Mm-hmm. When uh, one of her aunts who used to stay in Parthi, she develops a cataract, I think. Okay. So, Swami commands that she should go to Bangalore and get herself treated. So, she asks Gita Mohan Ram's father, Dr. Padnabhan, to take this elderly woman and, you know, get her treated. And so, she goes and, you know, the doctor looks at her eyes and fix a date for the operation. But this lady is not ready for the surgery. Hmm. she's saying that, you know, I cannot, Swami only told me to come and show the doctor. He didn't tell me about the surgery and you know, all. Something, that was a time when these devotees used to get word, were, by, yeah, word, word by word instructions. You know, Swami had to tell everything and you know, otherwise they wouldn't follow it. They wouldn't do anything. So, this lady was saying that, no, no, I don't have Swami's permission and how can I go in for a surgery? That Those days, surgery was a really big thing. Big, huh. okay, how can I go for a surgery without Swami telling me and without getting Swami's vibhuti, how can I ever think of surgery? You know, that was her response and these people are having a tough time, and in fact, in the house they had vibhuti which Swami had given, and she would say, "No, no, that is packet vibhuti. I want vibhuti from Swami's hand, which Swami materializes and gives
1: for this occasion for this occasion, for the surgery.
2: Should, you know, so uh, there was a little bit of uh, altercation at home, and Doctor Padman is telling, "See, Swami had told me to get you for the treatment. The doctor is saying this is the treatment.
1: Now why are you fussing and all that." And those days, it was not easy, right? To travel yeah, between Parthi it, it and Manila. It was Manu. almost
2: uh, 20 to 24 hours it would take. Uh-huh. Okay, and she was an elderly woman. She couldn't travel up and down like that. So, one day, Gita Mohan Ram and this aunt were there at home. And this aunt was going on telling things about you know these people, new generation people. They don't understand our feelings. You know, mm. how can I take a surgery like this without Swami? And uh, Gita was, you know, going on listening to it. She couldn't say yes or no mm-hmm. uh, because you have to be politically correct. So just then the phone rings. okay? So she picks up the phone and she hears a very soft voice from the other end, Gitama, and it is Swami's voice.
1: Oh my God. Okay? instantly okay. she
2: realizes. and the moment she hears Swami's voice, she thinks that what kind of difficulty it is to call from puttapati. Because the, only the post office had a telephone line. You had there. to place a trunk call. Okay, and you, Swami, had to go to the post office, place a trunk call, wait till the call is connected, and then call. Okay, okay. and here Swami is calling over the phone. So Swami said, "Okay, what is that old lady saying?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, Swami starts like that, and uh, she says that yes, Swami, she's a little upset. She's worried about her surgery and all. So, Swami says, "Okay, give the phone to her." So, Swami speaks over the phone to her and kind of consoles her and says, Don't worry, I'll take care and all that. And then the lady says, Swami, I don't even have Vibhuti. Okay, and Swami said, okay, okay, I'll make arrangements. You give the phone to uh, Gita. So, Swami comes over the phone to Gita and Swami says, Is there any paper around? Mm. <laughs> okay, And she says, Yes, Swami, and pick it up. And bring it and keep the receiver of the phone over that paper. Okay. In the next few moments, Cascade of Vibhuti comes out of the phone receiver and falls on that paper. <laughs> <laughs> and Swami says, okay, now give it to her. You know, we've heard of fax, we've heard of SMS, we've heard of all kinds of technology, but way back you know, when there was only a landline, here was I Swami...
1: Mean, I, I have not heard of a wire <laughs> transfer of this kind, oh, you, you know. know? <laughs> we've <laughs> heard do of transfer? cash
2: transfer, we've heard of all kinds of electronic things, but here Swami is materializing Vibhuti over a landline,
1: over a trunk call. <laughs> See, that is a beauty, you know, Prem. We theoretically we know that swami can do anything but when it happens see uh, we know that you know swami produces vibhuti from a photograph so many times exactly. it's been happening so much now around the world and yet when somebody says that swami gave vibhuti from a photograph but this photograph is not a framed photograph it is the screensaver on my desktop we say wow it's because we find some speciality exactly. and uniqueness you've
2: really surprised you mentioned that because yesterday huh? somebody was telling that uh, in their house viputi huh? is materializing out of the screensaver on the monitor wow <laughs> you know <laughs> a photo is a photo
1: <laughs> we find this thrilling and we feel you know we should narrate it because we feel you know in a photograph it's already but screensaver <laughs> screen <saver. laughs> we feel that screensaver is something special compared to a photograph but for swami a curtain a chair a screensaver let me tell you something that happened at home prem mm-hmm. this was on Shankaranti, the 14th of january
3: okay
1: we had a program, we had the price distribution program in the mandir and I was doing the photography. So, in middle of it, in the mandir, I'm getting a call and usually I don't pick up calls, but I saw it's my father calling. When I pick it up, you know, my mother and me, both of us were doing duties in the mandir. Okay. I was photographing and my mother was doing security duty. So, my father and wife were at home. I mean, My father was very excited because apparently, a heap of Vibhuti had manifested okay. at home mm-hmm. and he said, it's so amazing on Shankaranti day, it has come, it is so superb. Mm-hmm. And I was so thrilled listening to it. He also added, you know, one more statement that made me very curious to get back home fast. Mm-hmm. He said, this Vibhuti is sweet to taste. <laughs> and it is there's one heap of it. Mm-hmm. So, I was very excited. I said, I'm coming, just let the program get over. I finished the program, I rushed home. When he opened the door, I rushed straight to the altar. I looked around, there's no heap. So I said, Dad, where's the heap of vibhuti? He said, Right here. And he comes, and he says, My God, where is it? Where (laughs) is it? That heap is not there. Okay. And I said, What do you mean? He said, You know, wait. I'll show you. He brings me the camera, which is at home, and he shows me the image. He says, See? He's taken a snap. He's taken a snap. He says, My God, if I had not taken the snap, maybe you would not have believed me. (laughs) But this this heap was here. Or still, you would have thought that he ate (laughs) up everything. And and Pooja, my wife, she tells, Yeah, I, I tasted it, it was sweet, vibhuti, it was here. Mm-hmm. You know, I started feeling bad. I said, Swami, what is this? I was doing your work in the mandir and you know, I have been denied the vibhuti, why is this? <laughs> anyway, I cripped and cried, you know, whined and kept telling. In fact, I remember my father asked me, what was the prasadam in mandir did you get? I said, no, I ate it. Why do you want your getting over here specially, right? Why do you want me to get prasadam? I don't want to give you the mandir prasadam. That is only for us. So, it all went on this way. The next day morning, you know, I went to the altar, placed flowers, uh, lit the lamp, everything and and before coming to the studio, I just went to shave. After shaving, I don't know why, I just dropped in back into the puja room to see and what do I see? There's a heap of vibhuti again. And I was so thrilled and you know, I tasted it. Not only was it sweet, it also had a tinge of Chi flavor, you know. <laughs>
3: uh,
1: and it was so wonderful, I called my father. My father comes, this time my father was at home, my wife was also at home, my mo- mother had already left for duty.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So, he's telling me, you take some vibhuti and keep in a paper so that you know, before it vanishes, so that your mom can get. Then my wife is saying, you think that if he can make it vanish from here, he can't make it vanish from the paper, you just leave it. So, we just left it and you know, thankfully it remained, my mother also could get a taste and even after that, it didn't disappear. We collected it and we were pulled in a small box. But, It is not as if when Swami was physically there, He used to do things that transcend time and space. Even today, all this is happening, the same sweet Swami, charming Lord, mischievous, doing everything. It is so wonderful, Prem. I can just say that we are all blessed that we have got to know Swami. Let us just, you know, love Him more and more and more because there is nothing else that is there to be done.
2: Even as you are talking about this, I am just reminded, Mm. once when I was sitting in Mandir, there Mm -hmm. was a Young Sevadal sitting next to me, and we just got talking, and apparently his brother's house, there were many manifestations like this, and uh, vibhuti, and all kinds of things were manifesting, and he said one very interesting thing, which again, as you said, Swami can do anything, but every new thing which is new for us, we get novel, us. Oh, excite, we feel very yeah. excited, you know, and what he said was whatever was the prasadam being given in mandir here appears in the altar there. Wow. <laughs> okay, whatever it is, on that day. It appears there. So uh, I was curious because the previous day Swami had given apples to all of us. Mm. So I asked him, What about the apples which Swami gave? I said, Yeah, uh, you know, Sivadal told me that as soon as the program got over, I went back and called my brother. And he said, Yeah, the apples came with the pink wrapper with which Swami used to give the apples. Oh, oh my <laughs> you know, that, uh, se- whatever, <laughs> yeah, uh, in, uh, styrofoam. Styrofoam, yeah,
1: yeah, so that it doesn't he get he damaged. Said, it
2: has come with that. It is.
1: <laughs> you know, Prem, the Sai family is such a huge family. I'm telling you, I never had the chance of knowing a grandfather in my life. Before I was born, I lost both my grandfathers, paternal and maternal. And I knew only one grandmother for a few years. After that, I lost both my grandmothers. But today, thanks to Swami, I have so many grandfathers, so many grandmothers, so many aunts, so many uncles because linked by Swami's love, it becomes one huge global family. And one such Sai Grandmother, if I can call her so. She lives in Santa Rosa, California. Okay. And she narrated something amazing. You know, she's praying. She's all alone at home. She gets lonely at times and she prays to Swami for succor and to be with her. Mm-hmm. You know, she says that when she prayed that, Swami, you're in my heart, you're in my heart and this. She says, Vibhuti manifested from her heart. I mean, from her chest, it comes out and it's... There's a photograph of her with all the Vibhuti all over her T-shirt. <laughs> and she says, She was just stunned. Theoretically, it is same for Swami to materialize vibhuti from a photograph or from, as we said, from a curtain, but when such things happen, we get so thrilled. Truly, the power of the Lord is so infinite. Just imagine Prem, scientifically if we see to create one atom from energy, there are huge reactors that are built. Colliders have been made, you know, to create matter from energy is scientifically possible, but the apparatus and the mechanism needed are so huge, they are built to such huge sizes. In such a scenario, whether it's a pinch of vibhuti or a heap of vibhuti, it's almost next to impossible. And if that is happening in a place, just imagine the glory and might and the power that is inherent there. Oh my God! Literally, you know that uh just as we
2: were saying, you know, there are some things which we accept and some things which become novel even though we know that nothing is impossible for him. Once when Swami was doing the Vibhuti Abhishekam to the Shirdi statue, mm. every year it would be something different. Swami would sometimes materialize a necklace and put around the
1: statue, statue of Shirdi, statue, Shirdi Baba.
2: Or sometimes when Swami is doing Vibhuti Abhishekam, Haldi or Kumkum would come out of the pot. Mm. And that year, it seems apparently Swami had materialized a, a gemstone okay, and placed it on the forehead of the statue and okay. it just stuck there. Correct. Okay. <laughs> and uh, one among the crowd was uh, Dr. a mm-hmm. uh, very well-known scientist. He was a physicist and he was a scientist. So, apparently, you know, he was sitting there and he was wondering how is you know, that uh, a metal, gemstone. Yeah, which had a metal casing. He said, how is metal sticking on metal like that? Hmm. Okay, he just placed a metal on a metal. Because it, it was a
1: silver statue. Yeah, it was a
2: silver statue. And he was wondering, how did this happen? How can metal and metal adhere together without any Magnetism. adhesive or you know, any other medium in between? Correct. So, in the discourse which Swami gave, Swami said, see, I materialized an object. Okay, from nowhere an object was materialized. Is it any wonder that one who can materialize something from nowhere can make this object stick with that metal? <laughs>
1: Exactly, Prem. And we have, you know, we have seen those videos. If I may say so, there is a documentary that has come from the Sister Concern of Radio Sai, the Sai Blossom production. There is one documentary called Mahashivratri: Its Significance. In that video DVD, if we watch, there is this live video captured of this event, where Swami puts His hand into an empty pot. You can see there is an empty pot kept there and Kasturi Garu comes and he picks up the pot. He holds it above the Shirdi Sai statue, upside down and it's empty. <laughs> the minute Swami puts his hand into it, Vibhuti starts pouring out in torrents. And you know, the most beautiful part is <laughs> Swami is circling his hand, Vibhuti is pouring out. The minute Swami, Swami takes out his right his hand, it stops. It stops. <laughs> then Swami puts in the other hand, it begins. It's truly wonderful Prem and if we go on like this, we can just keep going on.
2: I mean, it's, yeah, it's so beautiful. I think we at this moment, we'll just take a break and I want to play this song. It's a Telugu song. Mm-hmm. It kind of really captures the awe which we are all filled with when we recollect these kind of incidents. To say that Swami transcends space and time also is like limiting Him to using space and time as a measurement of, you know, seeing Him.
1: But He's even beyond that. Ah, yes, I get it. The, this song, this which begins calling Swami as the Kala Tita Lila Murthy. This song was specially composed for the 85th birthday celebrations of Bhagwan Sri Satisai Baba. And it was sung by one of the Indian greats, Shankar Mahadevan. True. And it was sung as Swami sat on that magnificent golden chariot and made an entry into the stadium. Let's relive those beautiful moments with this song.
5: Kala प्रभु वनवंदिता देव म्याकी दिगंत व्याप्त तेजो
1: Well, Prem, it's so invigorating, if I can say, to keep discussing and talking about all the things that Swami did. No wonder, you know, that Sage Veda Vyasa could get fulfillment in life only after writing the Bhagavatam. He wrote the Vedas, he wrote the Upanishads, he wrote everything. All that is considered as the holy scriptures by the Sanatana Dharma, you know, he has written all that. And yet, at the end of the day, he was so dissatisfied with himself. He didn't find satisfaction and he he asked sage Narada, Narada, why is it that I am not satisfied? Then Narada tells him that unless you talk about the glories of the Lord, you talk about the stories of the Lord, you are not going to find fulfillment. And that is when Vedavyasa wrote the Bhagavatam, the stories of Lord Krishna and found fulfillment in life. Sage Vedavyasa, what is his qualification and what is our qualification? But this Sai Avatar has been so special, mingled with the masses and given each one of us that joy and fulfillment that Veda Vyasa got, the chance to delve into his stories and I don't want to miss this opportunity. I'll delve straight <laughs> exactly, away into another like, you know, story. It's
2: like a cash-strapped organization and you introduce liquidity. It's like that, you know, I think we all had a kind of drought Though all these stories of Rama, Krishna and all of that, Mm. Swami felt that a new infusion of you know, liquidity was required to keep
1: this thing kicking. Really, Preman, it's happening even to this day. For example, today if you go around the ashram and look at the talk of the number of devotees coming having reduced and so many things. But if you look, everything is going around along in clockwork precision and that is because of one very vital segment, vibrant segment of Swami's organisation called the Satisai Sevadal. Seva Just imagine, they come here from hundreds of miles away and they come here just to serve, serve the devotees of the Lord and you know, recently, I met a few of them who are coming here for the first time. They have not even come to Prasanthi when Swami was physically here and they come here and serve. What is it? that motivates these people to come.
2: It's so many Arvind, the kind of stories I have heard of you know they found one person from Maharashtra. Hmm. His only means of livelihood was a goat. Okay. He was a farmer who had lost all his land hmm. and the only means of livelihood was goat. And he actually sold that goat and came to do Seva in Prashant nilim Wow. And imagine he was identified by the organization and they kind of tried to help him by offering him a job and all that. But can you imagine that you have only one thing that you can cling on to and you're ready to make money out of that to make means to travel to Prashanthilyam to do Seva.
1: It shows what a way, you know, it is not God touching the heart. God must have thumped on the heart. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, how will you be able to have such an impact? You were talking about that person from Maharashtra who had only a goat. I met another person, an elderly person from the same state of Maharashtra. He was wearing the traditional Maharashtra and topi and the dhoti. And he looked like a very elderly man who needs help and he had come here for Seva and what he told me, you know, just blew my mind away. You spoke about a person who just had a goat. This person had acres and acres of land, estates and he had 5 sons all of whom were landlords themselves. And he said that at home he had 15 to 20 servants attending upon him. And yet he said, I don't find fulfilment till I come and serve my Swami and that's why he comes here. I mean, when you have everything in life, you spoke about a person who had nothing in life and wanted to come here. Here is a person who had everything in life and wanted to come here. The rich, the poor, the king, the prince, the pauper alike, everyone find fulfillment in Swami even to this day. And that is a magic which I feel only God can wield.
2: Coming back to that point where you said, God does not touch the heart, He actually thumps the heart. Hmm. Reminded of, again, an incident which also fits into this time-space discussion which we are having. And the fact that how strongly Swami can draw with no apparent reason. There is nothing you can show and say that this is why I, I was drawn to Swami and this is why I believe in Swami. You know, we've all heard of the Venkidgiri family, the royal family of mm. Okay, And uh, this person, the main Raja, he was for some reason very, very strongly convinced that Swami was God.
1: Yes, in the initial days, there were very few devotees and blessed indeed are those who held on to Swami Very true. in spite uh, of severe early
2: criticism. Early 1940s. Mm. So, he would always pray to Swami that he should make a visit to the royal palace of mm. Wingskiri and Swami had promised and Swami had given a particular date. Swami said, I will come during this time. So, the Raja wanted to send one of his sons to go and escort Swami mm. back to uh, you know, the palace. So, the eldest son was not available. So, the second son his name was Gopal. Mm. So, the Raja wanted him to go and invite Swami and this person was not a devotee of Swami till then okay. <laughs> you know. we should say that so he would declare that my only interest is cricket because he was the captain of the Madras presidency team then hmm. so he said my only uh, interest is cricket and I am not interested in Swami and all that so please don't force me to go very politely he refused to go so you know the Raja also didn't uh, push too hard that night this man has a dream the Who? prince the okay. prince huh? okay and Swami comes in the dream and Swami gives him two mangoes Mm. And Swami tells him, eat the two mangoes. So, in the dream, he eats the two mangoes and just after the dream ends, he wakes up with an irrepressible feeling that he wants to go to Prashant Oh my God. He said, he is not able to control that feeling. He said, I have to go to Puttaparthi and see Swami. Mm. So, in the middle of the night, he goes and wakes up his father and says, I want to go to Puttapati.
1: <laughs> father must have been shocked, right?
2: <laughs> he says, Okay, sure. Early in the morning, you can leave. So he takes the royal car, the huge car, to mm. go and bring Swami back. And uh, he is sent away by giving oh, an so instruction. Also, he is going to
1: get Swami to yeah, rank
2: to, a to get Swami back in huh. the car. So the father tells him that when you start from Puttaparthi, mm. the day you start, you send me a telegram saying that we are starting. And every major stop which you have, every major city or town, from there you send a telegram saying that we are here so that I'll know where exactly Swami and you are and we will be prepared to receive Swami in a very, very royal and in a fitting way when Swami reaches the gates of the
1: city. In recent time, this used to be done through SMSs.
2: Yeah, I mean, then (laughs) the (laughs) only uh, speedy way of communicating was telegram. Telegram. hmm. So, he said, okay, you send me a telegram wherever this stopping come. So, this person takes the car, goes to Parthi and those days you you couldn't come drive till the ashram. You had to stop at the other side of Chitravati and when he stopped and he came near Chatavati, on the other hand he saw Swami standing there Hmm. so immediately he plunged into the water and waded through the water and came and literally a a man who was mad to reach his destination he was drawn so much so he ran towards Swami and Swami smiled and looked at him and said the mangoes were indeed quite strong (laughs) 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 you know that you you had to come running like this Hmm. so Swami told him that okay after three days we will start you will just come travelling all this while and take a three day break then we will start back so on the day they were starting back uh, the prince tells Swami that Swami my father has instructed me to send telegrams like this Swami said no, no not required you come we will go off let's not waste time stopping and sending telegrams and all that hmm. so they travel back they drive back and the day when they reach the gates of the city you know he sees the whole paraphernalia of people and the royal entourage waiting to welcome Swami how? ok so he's surprised how did hmm. these people know that you know, Swami is coming hmm. In a, in a sense, he was happy. He was thinking that his father will not know that Swami is coming and he'll get very wild with him that he, know, didn't he, didn't, inform. he didn't inform. So, he was happy that they all were informed. And So, after everything was over, he went up to his father and said, how did you know that Swami is coming exactly and precisely at that time? Hmm. So, he said, yeah, from the telegrams you sent me. Oh, okay. And okay. he said, no, I didn't send you a telegram because this is what happened. Swami said, there was no need for that. So, the king goes inside his chambers and brings those telegrams which he has. Hmm. and everything is signed by his name Gopal <laughs> Oh, okay he said see these are the telegrams and these are the cities and towns from which you have sent the telegram so you know when they talk to each other and realize that he has not sent the telegram the king sends word for the postmaster hmm. okay to find out if these telegrams have actually come to the post office <laughs> and he says no telegrams have come to the post office and then the king realizes that every time when he came to his office hmm. he found a telegram nobody came and actually hand delivered the telegram to him
1: Oh, he just assumed that somebody has delivered it. Yeah, so this is like an advanced telegram where it even, (laughs) you know, surpasses the postal department and comes right at your desk. I feel whenever Swami does all these, these are those brief moments when He reveals who He truly is and who we truly are.
2: Arvind, yeah, actually I am coming to that only. How do we put these two together? You know, one thing is, of course, Swami is saying that Swami has proved beyond doubt that he's is beyond time and space hmm. and there is nothing which is not under His control. The forces of nature, even our thinking and our mind. Hmm. And Swami also saying that you and I are one. Isn't it difficult to put these two together because we are by nature bound by time and space and hmm. by our limitations. I'm actually driving you to that story which you told me this morning. Okay. Oh, okay. Off.
1: Yes, you know, because uh,
2: I feel you know, it is a question which is in all our minds, and that story which you said, of course, it's a very famous novel,
1: story of Jonathan Livingston, Jonathan Siegel. Livingston seagull. Oh, correct. That
2: kind of encapsulates this message of Swami, and it gives us a very, very clear understanding of what Swami is doing. May not be the complete and the most comprehensive one, but it does give us a very, very intuitive understanding of what Swami is doing.
1: Yes, Prem, I'll try to. Very briefly tell that story because that is essential to come to the point. But for those who have not read the book, Jonathan Livingston Siegel is, you know, personally, I have read that book five times. Mm-hmm. I feel it's one of the most inspiring books. But they say that... Richard, Richard Bach. Uh, they say it's been written by Richard Bach, but I don't believe. <laughs> I feel it's it's been written by God. And Richard Bach happened to be an instrument because... I cannot believe that a person can write like that. You know, it's so beautiful. It's the story of a seagull that's seeking what it calls as perfection and speed. That is Jonathan's aim. And so while all the other seagulls are at sea trying to catch fish and fight for crumbs that sailors throw, Jonathan decides to go aside and start flying faster and faster and faster. He flies faster than the fastest gull has ever flown, fastest seagull and everybody in his community are worried about him. They feel, what is this? What is he doing? He's so unfocused. He doesn't know priorities in life. Life's priorities are about hunting and catching fish and feeding ourselves and growing. And what is he doing? And Jonathan has the other, you know, like Swami says that the world feels that a God intoxicated person is is mad while the God intoxicated person feels that the world is mad. So, Jonathan feels that the whole flock is mad. <laughs> He's excommunicated from the flock and he keeps practicing training to fly faster and faster and faster. He reaches 1000 miles an hour and he comes across gulls that seem to have a halo about them. Luminous gulls. <laughs> and these are gulls at a different plane of existence. And they let Jonathan know that it has taken them 10,000 births to evolve to such a state of flight. And you have done it so fast. So they tell that you know you can rest on your laurels and enjoy. But Jonathan has that unquenchable thirst. He says, even 4000 miles an hour is a limitation, right? I want to go faster, I want to go faster, I want to go faster. And he keeps going faster and faster, but he's dejected because he's not hitting perfect speed. And when he sits dejected on the shores of a lake, That is when he sees a being, a gull that he has never seen before and he feels that this must be the great Mm gull. You know, just like we have gods, R. K. Narayan, the great Indian author writes that when a buffalo was asked, how is the Lord? It stated that the Lord is a huge buffalo with huge horns, the cosmic (laughs) buffalo. You know, we imagine God and if I imagine God, I imagine God as a human. And so the gull imagines the Lord to be the great gull and the Lord takes every form. And then, what the great girl tells, Jonathan is so beautiful, I would not like to spoil it by narrating it, I will quote it. You know, he says, You will begin to touch heaven, Jonathan, in the moment that you touch perfect speed. And that isn't flying a thousand miles an hour, or a million, or at the speed of light. Because any number is a limit and perfection doesn't have limits. Perfect speed, my son, is just being you know and then he goes on to explain that realize jonathan that you are present already in all space you are present already in all time okay and therefore you just have to think say 1975 mars and you are there you 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 need not travel in time you need not travel in space because you already pervade all space you already pervade all time because jonathan there's no difference between you and me. You are the great gull. And then the great gull, you know, bids goodbye to Jonathan and leaves. Okay. And even when he bids goodbye and leaves, you know, Jonathan asks, he says, I don't want to let go of you. I don't want to let go of you because I will miss you. And at that time, again, the great gull or the God or Lord, whatever, reminds Jonathan, tells him, If our friendship depends on things like space and time, then when we finally overcome space and time, we have destroyed our friendship, our brotherhood. But overcome space, all that is left is here. Overcome time and all that is left is now. It is time to realize the power of here and power of now. And in the middle of here and now, don't you think that we will see each other at least once or twice? And then Jonathan gets this and he realises it. Uh, you know, it's almost like how it happens to the Buddha. Buddha. In a moment, enlightenment comes and he realises, he rushes back to his flock. And you know, at this point, I feel Jonathan's plight is like the plight that our beloved Swami faced. He goes and he comes flying at such a blinding speed that he looks like a ball of light and the whole flock is thrilled and they look up to Jonathan and Jonathan says, Look here, I've got a secret. Mm-hmm. The secret is that all of you are nothing but images of the great girl and that's all there is to be known. <laughs> and the minute Jonathan feels that he's giving the ultimate truth, all the girls in the flock, they just start talking among themselves and they yeah, think this on mad. madcap. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's mad. And then you know what Jonathan does? He flies up to the sky and comes flying at 1000 miles an hour. You know, 1000 miles an hour is miraculous for the girls. But for Jonathan, it's, it's a limitation. It's a limitation. Because he he's transcended time and space. He just has to think, feel, and he knows that he's already at that space. But he puts on the limitation and flies at thousand miles an hour. And everybody's amazed. They say that, you know, this must be God <laughs> if they can fly at thousand miles an hour. So they go and tell, Will you teach us to do this? Jonathan says, Okay, come, let's start with level flying and high-speed flying. So and I also feel Swami begins his discourse, you know, he says. He starts, the first word itself, conveys the greatest truth. He says, Divyatma swarupalara Embodiments of the Divine Atma. We are not paying attention. <laughs> and then <laughs> Swami says, there is no difference between you and Brahmam. You and me are one. There is the same. Sarvam Kalvidam Brahma. Sarvam Vishnumayam Jagat. Okay, fine. And then Swami is in that plight. Nobody is paying attention. And so what He says? Do bhajans. If you do bhajans, I will tell you one story, it's interesting. Our ears perk up, we listen. We are ready only for level flight and 1000 miles an hour flight. We are not ready for the ultimate truth. And I feel these glimpses where Swami transcends space and time, are those rare opportunities and chances that He gives all of us blind girls, who are spending all of our time fighting for the breadcrumbs that sailors throw to us, to realize that there is something far beyond in life. The quest of perfection is what is life all about, and not this. And I feel that is the reason why Swami does these things and gives us glimpses of him being beyond space and time.
2: Amazing, Arvind. And even as you're narrating, just a very small story, but it's half as profound as <laughs> what you shared. But it reminded of in my college days, one of the teachers was narrating. There was a land in which there was a wall. Hmm. Okay, beyond the wall, nobody could see. It was a very high wall, and everybody in the in the city, wondered what was there beyond the wall. So, after much deliberation, they decided that they will send somebody up the wall to see what lies beyond. Okay, so they all get together and they build a a huge ladder. And finally, they find one man who is brave enough to climb that height. So, he goes up the ladder and he sees beyond and he says, Ah! in exclamation and he jumps over. Okay. So, still they don't know what is there and beyond. Okay. (laughs) And every person who braves to climb the ladder and sees beyond, he says, ah, an explanation and jumps beyond. So they never get to know. So finally, one man, he sees, he exclaims, he's filled with joy and he comes down to tell them what is beyond. Hmm. And it is said that he is a guru. The guru hmm. is one who has seen the beyond, who comes back to tell you what is there. But how fortunate we are because somebody who lives beyond that wall has made this journey to this side to tell us what is there beyond. And really cuz there
1: really we can't even you know once we start thinking of it we realize that our mind is too small an instrument to comprehend this good fortune it's only the heart that can rejoice at this good fortune and that's why we just have to fill our hearts with love for him with faith in him it is only through the heart that we can know what is this power that we are living with Day in and day out, every moment of our lives. What is it? Power. You know when Swami says, "Swami ni intane ni jantane kantane." He's above you, in you, beyond you, within you, by your side, everywhere. You know, if we believe in our hearts that every word from Swami is a Veda Vaakya, then what a statement this is. Even as we speak this in this room here, with us, within us, it is Swami that is seated. What can we do but? express gratitude for this loving lord
2: exactly Arvind it's so beautiful that we had this opportunity to recollect these stories stories which we have heard before some we have not heard but every time it fills us with awe and you know sometimes it's happy to be a little ignorant because (laughs) it fills us with so much excitement I mean if we are in that uh, state of accepting everything yeah Swami can do all that But that might not give us as much joy as it is giving us now the Mm. excitement which it is filling us with Let's thanks Swami for that and we thank all our listeners for tuning in and joining us in this satsang. If you have any thoughts to share, you can always write to listener at radioside.org and we would be very happy that if you would, and in that way, join this satsang.
0: Sairam, you just heard an episode of our radio series, afternoon satsang. This is a live discussion between Radio Sai's Prem and Arvind on different spiritual topics and today's episode was first featured as part of Radio Sai's Thursday Live at 12.30pm on January 17th 2013. You can mail us your comments and feedback to listener at radiosai.org Sai Ram.